It is my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. You've got Jeff and Marissa today. You should have had Jeff, Marissa, and Diego today, and we were going to be talking about the end-of-year questions that we we're going to ask each other about our travel over the previous year, but Diego's not here. So Marissa and I came up with a great idea or a terrible idea. We have yet to decide that we're going to ask each other. We each came up with three questions that we're going to ask the other person. They're going to be personal questions, maybe funny questions, maybe stupid questions. We have no idea, and they're completely unprepared to answer these questions, but we're going to do our best to do it. Marissa, how is this going to go? Okay, so I love I love this. This could either be the best episode or the worst episode. We're not sure. But either way, you are going to get the real authentic us. And as Jeff said, we each prepared three questions for the other. And so Jeff has no idea what questions I have ready to ask him. I have absolutely no idea what questions he has for me. So these could be a personal attack. I have I have no idea, but it's gonna we're gonna have fun recording it. That's all I can say. Okay. Well jumping in. Let's let's have it. Do I let's get to go it. first? I get to ask you. Yeah, first. start okay. come out shooting. Let's go. All right, Jeff. What part and these are all about digital nomad life, guys. Okay. What part of digital nomad life makes you the angriest? <laughs> So if you don't know, you should see his face right now. Jeff is a sweetheart, but like he can get angry at just like some random things in life and it makes me laugh. So I want, I feel like you haven't gotten to see the angry side of Jeff. So Jeff, what just like boils your skin? Like when you think about Nomad Life, like what just makes you angry? <laughs> oh, you know what? It's it's always the first thing that comes to mind, I think, is always the most honest one, because if you start overthinking <laughs> it, then, then you're trying to force got an reaction. answer. reaction. What came to mind? Um, immediately. I got, let me paint you a picture. Let me, let me, before you paint let, this for the audience, yeah. if you're listening, Jeff has daggers in his eyes as he's about to say this, so I can't wait. <laughs> when I see, when I'm in any other country, and I see an American there... <laughs> and and they make zero attempt to speak that language and they just come in expecting it to be America. So I, w- I went on a trip recently up to Watape, which is like this lake. And this guy was just baffled that this girl he was dating didn't speak a word of English. I'm like, dude, you are in Colombia. What, what are you talking about? And expecting her to speak English? Yes, he was quote unquote dating her yeah and expected her to speak english didn't he didn't speak yeah oh yeah exactly he didn't speak one word of spanish yet he expected her to speak some english like i don't know i have no idea what she's saying i'm like oh my god this you making us look so bad so it's situations like that and it's another situation pulling his hair like out right now a very, i am it's long enough to i don't think i've ever seen too, you do so that i'm really hit a nerve oh. here and another situation, it, we have, Diego and I have a favorite coffee shop here in Medellin called Pergamino, and it was defiled earlier in the year. I was sitting there 
working as you know, as you do in Pergamino, you buy food, buy cafe, and you work. And I see like this leg from yoga pants stick out around the corner, like on the ground. I'm like, it's not unusual to see a leg in a coffee shop, sure. But it was at a weird angle. I'm like, that leg is doing something weird. I don't understand what's happening. And so I look around the corner and she set up her little miniature yoga studio for herself. It was doing yoga in the middle of a Pergamino. And I thought, oh, my God, this is the biggest abuse of somebody else's country that I've ever seen. This is like, I want to make the world America. And I just about threw up. <laughs> Thank Are you, Marissa. You know what? I really got you riled I up. Feel the rest of these questions are going to be fun. I know. I feel great now. Oh, good. You just oh, need that release of anger. What a weight. I didn't know you had that Send me your invoice. inside of you. Yeah, I'll invoice you for a coaching session. <laughs> anger release. But the, the irony of this, and it's funny, Diego's not on it. Jeff is literally like audibly sighing, like deep breath, relax now. Oh, I, I feel so much lighter. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad I could, I could be here for you in that way, Jeff. I just knew this was the question you needed today. But the irony of it is, one, Diego speaks five different languages. Jeff and I don't speak it. Like we, I speak a tiny bit of Spanish, and I feel like your Spanish is worse than mine for sure. So the it's kind of funny that that's your, you don't think my, so. Oh, it's no, my girlfriend's Colombian. I, I have to speak true. only Spanish with her family now. That is true. You've come a long way. Okay. Back from when I first knew you and was traveling through your <laughs> Spanish has come a long way. So look, now you get to be annoyed at all the people who don't speak other languages because you've suddenly have a second language that you speak, but suddenly, <laughs> suddenly, thank you. I made progress. I, it was a lot of practice. I've, I've got a Spanish teacher here in Colombia and helps. It helps. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work, but yeah, it helps. Okay. Now I get right, to flip the question on you, right? I'm scared. Yeah. Do I get to flip the question? Do you get to answer the same oh, question? No, now? these are like individual questions this oh. time. You don't get to ask me. Just for you. Just you. for me. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So your first question is, have you ever had a life or death situation while traveling? or something you felt was insanely dangerous and you were scared that you might die? Ooh, that's a good one. Wow, I really have to think about this. The, well, I'll say the first thing that came to mind because that was that was mm -hmm. your word. I, I think we've I've told a lot of this story in a previous podcast, but it was in Namibia earlier this year where we were on a road trip. It was three of us had rented a car that we're like camping on top of our car. It is the Wild West in Namibia where you're like, why is anyone letting me drive a car through this country in this way? Because there are lions, giraffes, like animals running all over where you could be eaten at any moment. But we were driving on this path where we planned it totally last minute. When I mean I planned this road trip the day before we left, like I knew nothing, landed and asked this woman. And I was asking her how long I wanted to go to this really remote village in the like in the north of the country near the border of Angola, basically. And then drive down to a more a more well-known spot. So I asked her, I was like, you know, Google Maps says it takes about six hours. Is this the best route? Is this what I should do? And she was like, I mean, yeah, that looks fine, but it's definitely going to take you way longer. And it's debatable if these roads are even going to exist. And I was like, what? <laughs> okay. Then I was like, yes, this sounds fun. <laughs> this, is, this is what I yep. like. So we're, we're making this drive and there's these flash floods of rain in a way that I think they said in these like two, three days, there was more rain than they'd had in the last like year or two combined. So just a random, this is like a Perfect. random fluke, right? Random fluke incident. 
So we're driving and as we go, we start to see like the road is, is a dirt road that again could be washed away. It's it's like, it's technically a road, but it's not paved. You know, it's, it's just a dirt road going for hours and hours. Mm-hmm. And eventually after all this rain, we start getting these little sort of like puddles that come through and now they're looking more like rivers. And then all of a sudden it's like, we're driving through basically rivers that we just assume is fine. Cause we don't know it's different than any other time of year with the rain. And anyway, we nosedive into this one that was just way deeper than we thought that it was to the point where the river was moving so fast. That we didn't know this till later. It literally ripped off our license plate in the front, like that was screwed in. So imagine how fast that is. And as we dive in, water comes over the top of the car, starts draining, literally draining through the car. Like there's water coming into the car and we're like, fuck. And so as we sit here, so there's a rule in Namibia, you, you can't drive at night once it's dark when you're in between like different towns or campsites or cities, because it's so dangerous. There are literally lions and things that will eat you. Like they want you to be in a campsite for a reason. So now I don't even know, we, we back out of the river. We realize we can't, we're still like an hour plus away and the rivers keep getting bigger and bigger. So we have to park our car between two, two flowing rivers and camp at night. And we don't know if there's animals around, like we don't know what's going to come. Yes. Is the answer? I'm we sure. Were. So I was like, we hadn't seen it in a while because because the rain, we hadn't seen many animals. We opened our tent in the morning and there's like zebras running by. We go like 30 feet farther. There's like giraffes. We find this guy who needed a ride and he was like waiting in this hut and came running to our car because he's like, there are lions around here. And we're just like in this campsite with with no other choice. So it really honest, like in all honesty, it, it turned out all fine. And it's one of the greatest adventures and greatest memories of my life. But it was one of the few travel experiences or that night where I was like going to sleep on this tent on top of the car and not knowing what was going to happen. Where I was like, I actually don't know, like, I feel like my life is actually in danger here for the first time. So it wasn't like total life or death in that moment, but it like had the possibility mm. to be. I've had some other you know things, but I would say that's, that was the first thing that came to mind. If you had like night cam cameras set up around you, you probably could have confirmed that that was a life or death situation. Yeah, I wish we could confirm. You know, so I was, yeah. with, uh, Rachel was with us. She was in the tent next to me mm-hmm. on the car. And she, I remember, I think we were setting it up so fast, our tent, so we forgot to put these poles up for, like, the tent flaps. So things were, like, flapping in the middle of the night once this wind picked up. And she was like, Marissa! Like, I didn't wake up. And she started, like, screaming my name because she thought it was an animal against the car. But I would imagine that there really genuinely probably were, like, easily animals wandering around us that we'll never know and I probably Mm. won't want to know. But, yeah, to open the tent in the morning and literally see zebras, like, 20 feet away just, like, popping by, I was like... If there's zebras, there is, there's a lot more here too. <laughs> so. so don't, don't do that in Namibia because animals will kill you. Don't set up a yoga studio in Pergamino because I will kill you. That's the lesson <laughs> for the audience. <laughs> Mike Jeff. That was a good one, Jeff. <laughs> Thank Very you. All it's right. all ad hoc today, guys. It's all I ad love hoc it. Today. I love it. Okay. My turn. Number, number okay. two for you. This is, so we started with, I just wanted to like get your blood boiling because it's always kind of fun. And I felt like everyone should see that side of you if they haven't yet. This one's a more serious. So now we're going to get serious side of Jeff. Ooh, you can probably guess. Oh, do we there. have the same question? Oh, I don't oh, think no. so. No, this can't okay. be the same question because this one's like really about you. How has digital nomad life helped your depression? I know oh, the answer. Great question. I, like one I, I don't think we've shared enough and I love to talk to you about it because I think uh-huh. so many people could relate as well. Yeah, just so the audience knows, my background is that when I was a little kid, I had I had my first panic attack when I was 
I don't know, maybe like eight, nine years old or something. I was at SeaWorld whale jail. And I thought I was looking down at the orca pit and all of a sudden had this panic attack. I knew that I was going to tumble down the stairs, fall into the orca pit, and I was going to get eaten by a whale. It was as certain as gravity. Like I knew I was going to die from that orca whale that day. And then back then, this was 30 years ago. We didn't really know what a panic attack was. So my mom's just like, what my son is going to say. And it passed. It passed. And then puberty hit. And usually when you're going to have stuff happen, it usually happens around then when hormones start going crazy. And I started to get, I got full-blown OCD. It's basically what it happened. So I get OCD and it contributes to depression. So it, it makes, my OCD will make me depressed. Um, so that's kind of my background. I've, I've dealt with that my whole life and I've had like varying levels of good and bad and it like comes and goes. But the last, you know, two, three years ago or so, two, three years or so, it's been manageable. It's been actually a lot, lot better. And part of that is the travel. So what has it done? What has it done for my OCD and depression? A lot of things. And the main thing is the, the biggest problem that I have and a lot of people with OCD have is not enough distractions. So an idle mind for an OCD person that brain is usually spinning so fast that it just usually looks for stuff to find to be to be scared of. And OCD, for those of you who don't know, is basically just a passing thought that'll pass through your head. And, and people have them all the time. Weird thoughts that just go like, why the hell did I think that? For an OCD person to latch onto that thought, because it's like some of them are kind of scary. And you think about it over and over and over and over again and create these scenarios where it could actually become a real thing, just absolute certainty that it's going to happen. And in order to get rid of that anxiety, you do something to make it go away, some sort of compulsion. That's where the C comes in, in the OCD. And then it reinforces that cycle and it goes on and on and on until the end of time, unless you do something about it. So somebody with OCD, with an idle mind can do that indefinitely, forever. So a good thing for people with OCD is to keep busy. Just like for me, Probably like one of the worst things anybody could ask me to do is go sit on a beach and do nothing for like six hours. <laughs> Which is my very favorite thing in the world. <laughs> awful. I can't think of anything worse. Or go to a pool. Can't think there of anything do better, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. So, that, so for me and for a lot of people with OCD, having healthy distractions to keep the brain occupied, having a goal, having a purpose is super, super important. So as you can imagine, just traveling is all consuming, especially if you're traveling quickly. But even if you're not, you're a lot of times in a different Airbnb, a different part of a neighborhood, a different city. And you've got so many other things to process that's just life. It's just living as opposed to the false narratives that you create in your head as an OCD type of person. So when you're just focused on the living aspects of life, it's a much happier place to be. Mm -hmm. It's like living much more in the present. In living more in the present and, and having you're like real problems to, to deal yeah. with. It's like you're, yeah. you're at the bottom of the hierarchy of needs of like food, shelter, water. How do I get from point A to exactly. point B where you don't have time to think of like the uh -huh. big philosophical sort of questions? That... Yeah. And there's some bliss at being in the bottom of the hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. sometimes. Just Taking care of the normal stuff, cleaning your apartment, like needing needing to go find food. You know, it's it's there's satisfying things and just 
needing to survive as opposed to being home. Like when I, when it was really, really, really bad before I started traveling, the moment before I started traveling, I was working at home. I had no friends in town. It was just me and my thoughts in my house, which is a terrible place. That is a terror. Nobody should be in my mind when I'm in that situation. <laughs> I you could see like it I've leaking out of my brain. From time to time in the past, it's a scary place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's for yeah for for my OCD, for my depression. It's been yeah, it's it's been a huge huge thing that's a part of me, and it's a part of it's just like exercise for me. You know, mm-hmm. like just gotta do it. I have to do it, and I know it when I'm home too long. It's like okay, I've been home too long. I'm getting antsy. My my brain is starting to run in circles. It's time to get out. I need more. I need more stimulus. Good question. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for answering. <laughs> okay. I've got yeah. one. It's going to be, oh, yeah. All oh, right. Gosh. We're going. Okay. As a digital nomad, are you running away from something? Oh, I love this conversation. I really want to do a whole episode on this with you and Diego yeah. because for a premise of this, there's there's so many people who judge digital nomad life and say, you're running away from normal life. You're running away from responsibility. Someday you're going to come, you know, you're going to have to come back and like do all the things and like do what you're supposed to do in society. And it's just this, yeah, this yeah. opinion that people who haven't lived this life think all of us are running away from something. I will get to my own personal opinion. That being said, <laughs> there's a quote that I love that says, everywhere you go, there you are or everywhere I go, there I am, right? So I do think I'm super, if, you know, for those of you who don't know me that well, I'm super into, like, I, I work as a coach, I'm into the inner work, like I dig and I dig and I dig. And I, I, I feel like I do my inner work, do all the mindset stuff, find all the things that are, you know, triggering, bothering, whatever, and I work through it, I face it. So for me, I, I don't feel like I am running from something. If anything, I feel like I am running to a more amazing life. And I love to come home sometimes too. It's not that I don't, you know, I'm not running away forever, but I love that I am running to new experiences, new cultures, new thoughts, new ways of living, new opinions mm-hmm. from people who are different than me. So I feel like it is expansive and growth. And, you know, for example, mm-hmm. Jeff and I have mentioned this from time to time on the podcast, you know, he and I did a Five, five day, yeah, five day ayahuasca retreat together, which I feel like is anything but running from your problems that is like facing it head on, head on, which if you don't know what ayahuasca is, it's a plant medicine where you basically see your, you know, your worst fears, the hardest things that you need to face. It's not fun, but it's like you do the inner work. So I feel like I travel the world doing the inner work. I don't feel like I'm running from things, but I do think there are probably some people, like definitely a handful of, you know, nomads who I've met who yeah, they go through a breakup or a divorce or just don't want to mm-hmm. deal with things. And they think that going and living on a beach in Thailand is going to solve their problems. And you get to that beach in Thailand and you realize you you still have all the same problems in your head. So I would say it's a pretty personal question and a per- or like a personal answer for every person. But for me, I definitely don't feel like I am running from life and nomad. If anything, I think I'm facing things more. Like, I feel like as you were kind of saying, it's like there's just so many I guess I'll say with with the, with this nomad life, I believe you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. So like when life is good as a nomad, it is like, I get chills talking about this. It's, it's almost asking yourself, how the hell did I get so lucky to live this life? Like, how is this just my Tuesday? How is this just a weekend trip? Like the things you do, the places you go, the experiences you get to have because you've taken the sleep is like it, it, the highest highs 
of anything, but the lows are so much lower. So if you, you know, if something hard happens or you are going through a hard mental time or you break up or something, or you just have, I don't know, like you get sick or away or whatever, you don't have the stability of your normal home and all your friends just down the street and your parents nearby or, you know, whatever your comforts are. So those low moments, I think, can be way harder too. So I think I go into it knowing that and accepting it and not running from from my life. That's my answer. Good one. And I know you and knowing that anybody that tells you that you should be at home and fulfilling your 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 societal cultural duties, the first thing you're going to do is say, ah, double middle <laughs> finger, I'm out. <laughs> and I yeah, feel the same yeah, right now. And I feel yeah. the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the exact same way. The second somebody tells me I should be doing it some way, yeah. and like that's the pin- the pinnacle of success is getting a secure nine to five office job and having your three kids and your and your two dogs. Like, yeah, I don't agree with that, and yeah. and I don't have to be running from anything to agree with that mm-hmm. either. Yeah. And some people I will say that I've met, like, I do think some, you know, digital nomad life isn't for everybody, like not every single person would enjoy it. And maybe there are some people who genuinely would life love that life you just talked about, right? So I think it's just knowing yourself. Mm. But it did take me, you know, I've been, I've been traveling eight years, like really intensely nomadically, probably for five, six of those years. And it took me a long time to really unwind that societal story that said, like, at first I was like, oh, it's just a temporary thing. I just really want to travel. I'm going to try it for a little bit and then I'll probably come back home and do the normal thing. And I just, the more I go, the more I, I love it, the more I, the, the more mm. that I grow and meet new people. And, you know, it might change over the years. I might go slower. I might, you know, come have more of a base and then go out. Like it, it doesn't have to be one way. And I like that too. I get to choose whatever feels good in the moment. But it took me a long time to feel like I wasn't doing something wrong. I know that sounds weird, but I just had this mm. this kind of voice in my head, like, you you can't do this forever. And I would tell people, I was like, yes, I can. But like, I almost didn't fully believe it at <laughs> first. I felt guilty. Mm. Like, like why can't ever, everyone else should be doing this too? Like, if, if it was really that mm. good, everybody would be doing it. But it's just that not everyone has the courage to, and not everyone wants to. But I think so many people who want to don't have the courage to. So it, it took a lot to really... Mm-hmm you know, mentally unwind those stories in my own head as well. Yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number three for you. Are you ready? And I switched this one up only because you mentioned, so so you mentioned your girlfriend who is in Colombia, who speaks Spanish. So you brought this up first. So I thought it'd be fun because the audience has a lot of questions about dating. So, so Jeff Uh has, his girlfriend is met in Colombia. She is from Colombia. Jeff is from the U.S., so how do you handle logistics with your girlfriend as a nomad, whether Ooh. you're going back and forth, how often do you see each other? Can you explain for someone mm-hmm. like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, how do you date if you're moving all the time or whatever? So how yeah. does that logistically work for you? Good question. And a lot of people would think, oh my God, that's the longest distance relationship I could think of. One side of the planet to the other side of the planet. It's not quite a side of the planet. Like you could be in Asia. And You're the same time zone. Yeah. 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 At least it's just going down and up. <laughs> That's just, yeah. And it, it is only a, you know, it's only a 12, 13 hour flight, but it, it's still, it's not going down the street, you know? So the way that we work it is I come down here and for me, that's nothing. That's just like going home. Honestly, it's like, the plane tickets aren't that expensive. The rent here isn't that expensive. And it's like a 12, 13 hour flight. So I can just like a week out go, yeah, I want to go to Colombia. And I'll go and live in Colombia. And she'll come 
and stay with me and live with me in my place for, yeah, you can stay down here a month, two months maximum, something like that. So when I'm here in Colombia, I'm here with her. She lives with me and we're, we're together and we spend like quality time together the entire time. When I go home, yeah, we're separate. We have our own, we have our own interests and we have our own time to ourselves and it's, it's fine and it's good. We're both very independent people and we still make time for the relationship by doing dates. Like we'll have a date night where we watch a movie together, just set up FaceTime and we'll watch a movie beginning to end, talk about it afterwards. We write notes and take pictures of, each, of the notes and send them to each other once a week. So we make sure that we keep things like alive and it's really, really important. It's like, it's, something that I wouldn't miss like brushing my teeth. We have to make sure that we do that stuff because you have to put in extra effort just because it is such a long distance. So I come down here, she's come up and visit me twice. And then since then, as I've talked about on this podcast before, she is now a remote worker. She's working as the equivalent of like a, a virtual assistant in marketing. And now she's going to start becoming a digital nomad. So we're going to plan our first trip. We might end up going to Barcelona in a few weeks, got our eyes on, on a few different places. So it's, it's actually not that hard. I thought it was going to be way, way, way harder. And I was yeah. at first, I'm like, Oh my God, how's this going to work? And then <laughs> no, as long as you, you know, just put in the time when you're apart. And also it helps having a partner that's really secure. And it's just like, okay, yeah, even if we're not together, it's okay. Like it's yeah. going to be all right. When, and when you're together, you're together. So complex, not complex it manages to work. Good question. Yeah. And part of just the beauty of nomad life is, you know, nomads, like we date other nomads, maybe you meet someone local. But if I think about people who I knew, you know, from the States, I say, I say growing up, but you know, people I knew in college or after college, maybe in college, Mm -hmm. as people got jobs in two different States and then like had to do long distance and have no choice or so, you know, you're living in the same city as a partner and they get a job Mm -hmm. offer and a different thing and you have to uproot your life or stay or do long distance. I think the cool thing about nomad life, you know, most of what we talk about is going to a different country, you know, every month or a month or two, because that's what we've been doing for a lot of years. But it also just means you have the freedom to be in Colombia as long as you want, if you meet someone or to go home yeah. and back and forth or to go home for, you know, a partner or whoever it is. So I think that's what, so mm-hmm. we don't talk about that as much, but it really just means you don't have to be traveling as a digital nomad. It means Good you point. just get to be free to be, anywhere you want for however, forever long. So I think that's, I, I yeah. love that you're saying that. And it's so cool that she's now become a digital nomad because of, yeah. you know, what she's learned from, from our course and from this and from you. And like, now you guys get to go travel together. So if she can do it, if you guys can do it, like anyone can, that's a beautiful message. So yeah. Good answer. Okay. Yeah. Last one for you, more of a, of a fun one. I want to hear about a moment or a, thing that comes to mind immediately when I ask you, what is something that is so shockingly unusual that you've done as a digital nomad or seen as a digital nomad that was just completely out of place? You know what I mean? Like, What do you mean by out of place? Like out of place in just my like, life or out of place what, in that place? For you, just shocking, shockingly out of place for you. Like, oh my God, I can't believe that that just happened, or I can't believe that I just did that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, and, because time. because of traveling. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I got you. I feel like this could go in so many directions, but like <laughs> going with your rule, the very first thing yeah. that came to my exactly. mind. That's what I want. 
Okay. All right. I was living in Nigeria for a month and I love all the weird woo spiritual things and Nigeria, which I, I don't really research much before I go to a place. And I kind of like that because I prefer to let things find me. I think, you know, I did vacation as a tourist before I was in nomad life and I did the bucket list things, but now I like to get somewhere and just see locally or whatever, like whatever comes to me is what I'm going to do. And I like that. So I met this person in Nigeria and everyone before I went had warned me about black magic in Nigeria. Apparently, you know, I love all the magical things, but apparently Nigeria is known for the kind of wicked, dark, black, like bad voodoo spells. And I don't know if I believe in that, but you know, I was like, guys, you know, all the magic in the world is good. Like, I'm just going to go explore. So anyway, I meet this, this guy and he starts talking about oracles and I was like, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more about these oracles. He was like, I can take you if you want. And I was just like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know where we're going. I don't know, but the answer is yes. So I went to two, this is like just a bizarre day where only because I was living, like one is a, if I wasn't digital nomad, I don't think I'd probably ever get to Nigeria just as a chosen vacation in life. So I love to get off the beaten path. And even if I was, I probably would. I, so I went on a, maybe a Saturday morning. I went again, just my typical weekday. And I drove two and a half hours with this guy. And the first place we show up is to this, I'll call it a mountain. And there's this cave within, it's like a big rock mountain sort of thing. And there's this woman who they claim is, is, I think they claim she's like 132 year olds. I, I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> she's apparently like the oldest woman in the world. She did look very old, but I, I can't confirm how old she actually was. But we go in this cave and she has these puka shells that she like almost like reading tea leaves in the States, but she's reading, she like drops the puka shells she doesn't speak a word of English. This guy is translating for me and tells me that there's like witches out to get me and that I must, she puts together this list this guy writes down and she says, in order to protect yourself, you must get like the, the blood of one goat, <laughs> like X amount of money, some other like hot sauce. I don't remember what. You have this list? Answer. Oh, I bet I have a picture of it. Oh, I, I got to find, find it. Find that. I have a bonus episode. We're going to we're going to yes. complete your list on a bonus episode. Oh my god, that would be so fun. I'm not getting any bloods of goats. I love the, No blood from a goat. Just a little we'll buy it. There. I was like I'm not doing this. We'll but anyway, it was one of those moments we're where not... I was like, where am I? How did I get here? What is this? And then from there I went to a second one where we did it. It was a a guy this time, just like in this little hut maybe 45 minutes from where I was from there. And we do this whole ritual. He had this like ground corn and we're adding hot sauce and like rum and just like some weird things. And then he brings me outside around the back of the house and says like, now we pray. And he brings me over this trough of just dead decaying chickens. And he was like, <laughs> I was like, what? Like, but anyway, so I can't remember exactly how you phrased this question, but it was just kind of the most, what was, what was the phrase of the question? It was like the, the thing, that, something that happened to you that was just an absolute personal shock. Yes. And it, it could be an experience or a cultural shock or anything. Yeah. Personally shocked where it's just so different from mm. day-to-day life. And I so love looking place. back yeah. on those experience, but I was one of those moments. There's a lot of moments as Nomad, which are my favorite mm. ones where I just think, how did I end up here in this place doing this thing? And what are these people doing? And I just, again, I, I think that's the way of growth and experience and just like, you never know what you'll learn along the way. But that was a shocking, bizarre one for me. So that was yeah. the one that came to mind. We might have to do an entire episode on the ayahuasca one because that was up there in my top three yes. somewhere. It's high in the world. We will get there soon for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think the ayahuasca one is just such a good, because so many people have so many questions about 
I thought you were going to ask a question about that on here. I didn't, but yeah, just like what it is, what it's like, why do you do it? Why don't you do it? Why are people scared of it? What really happens? What was our experience? So we'll, we'll share that at some point for sure. That was, that was up there, the weird one. Special one. Yeah. Well, success or failure, what do you think? I'm going to go with success, but if you're listening, please let us know if you want more of these. Do you want Jeff and I just to ask each other random questions about Nomad Life? No, we'll mix them in and and give some, you know, all sorts of help with job and remote stuff and how to get remote jobs, remote job opportunities, digital Nomad Life stories, help with travel and logistics. But if you like this episode as well, let us know if you want us to throw more in. I feel like you do like a poll thing, Jeff. How How do people let us know if they want more of this? Yeah, I'll throw a poll on Spotify. Anybody that's listening on Spotify, unfortunately, it's not on Apple Podcasts, but on Spotify, there's a poll. And I'll just put, is this a good episode or a bad episode? <laughs> thumbs up, and if thumbs it's a good episode, all credit to me and Marissa. If it's a bad episode, all credit to Diego because he didn't show up for a year and <laughs> He te- he's texting me from his fiance. I forget we get to say that now, from oh. our phone saying... His phone died. He's on the way home from a trip. What time? <laughs> and well, maybe we'll see him after this. But you know, that's oh. digital nomad life too. We, we it's here. part of it. Yeah, we love him, and we we, love you, we just want to give him. We just want to give him crap. We like well deserved crap. We do. And lastly, a little shout out. If you want to join our email list, we send out remote job of like each week. We send out some remote jobs that are hiring. So if you want to live in, as a digital nomad and cure your depression and like have weird experiences with witches and oracles and what else did we cover today? Get really angry at Americans not learning how to say thank you in Spanish, things like that. You too can live this way. So check out beachcommute.com slash email if you want to join our email list and beachcommute.com slash 91. If you want to check out 91 remote jobs that digital nomads in our community are actually doing. Anything else, Jeff? Big community too. We've actually got almost 20,000 people on this list. Yeah. So yeah, it's not like a, a tiny little list with a small little niche. There's a lot of people. It's a, it's a growing community. So definitely recommend the jobs that get sent out every week are really awesome. A lot of people apply to them. They're, they resonate with people quite a bit. So yeah, definitely get on that list. Awesome. And with that, we'll see you next week. We hope that, yeah, we'll, we'll see Diego soon to talk about all the weird 2022 travel things we did. And otherwise, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye.